copyright avoiding intro music. I did it, I hyped it, I did I hyped it, 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 I hyped off the beaten paths, argument number four. Do Jews have holy sites? Do Jews worship the dead? So we're talking now with Fega, who led a tour to Kever Yosef. That's the biblical tomb of Joseph in Shechem, also known as Nablus, and also today she went to the tomb of the patriarchs, the biblical tomb of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So now, Fega, tell us about your tour of Kever Yosef, the biblical tomb of Joseph. I've been leading tours to Shechem for a few years now. I've been going um, every month or every two months for almost 10 years now. So what's the draw? Well, first of all, going to a place where you have to sneak in like a thief in the night to pray, I mean, it's kind of cool. You're going into a bit of a war zone, you know? Why do you have to sneak in? In the Oslo Accords, Kevin Yosef was given away. Part of the Oslo Accords states that there should be free movement to Jews to come in during the day and night to pray. Sadly, that is not the reality we live in. Basically, after the Second Intifada and the events of uh, Rabbi Hillel Lieberman, who was murdered while trying to go save the Sefer Torahs from the yeshiva at Kever Yosef, there was no access anymore. Also, after the event of Mahdut Yosef, a soldier who bled to death over three, four hours while the Israeli government and the PLO argued if anyone could go in there and save him, and basically he died. Very horrible story. So... It's an interesting place to go. It's in the middle of a uh, nasty political, religious for, battle. For me, it's not It's not necessarily that. I mean, we know three places were bought. If we go into Tanakh, the Torah, three places were paid for with money, and you can't argue their purchase, and that is Harbayit, Marat HaMachpelah, and Kever Yosef. Though so Har, so Harbayit Har is the Temple Mount. That's... Uh, the place in Jerusalem behind the Western Wall. Marat HaMachpelah is the Cave of the Patriarchs, the burial site of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Kevi Yosef is the tomb of Joseph, the tomb of the biblical patriarch Joseph. Uh, it's been like a big, famous, well-known holy site for Jews for over 2,000 years. I mean, the placement of it, just as you have drawings of Cave of Rachel that go back, you know, thousands and thousands of years, there's documented history as well as drawings of Kiver Yosef as well. It was liberated during the Six-Day War, um, which is really amazing. It has its own special, unique story. I mean, there were Jews living there until like the 1890s. So you go there to pray to the dead? Uh, no, no, it's not the focus. It, you know, in Judaism, we have many reasons we go to holy sites, especially to rabbis or part of our history to pray. It's now, interestingly, that's connect. kind of a kind of an Israeli thing, meaning or kind of a in the Holy Land thing. Because True. if you spoke speak to Jews in America, first of all, if you speak to uh, Jews non, outside, well, of if you Israel. speak to non-religious Jews outside of Israel, most of them have. Never heard of it. Never heard of anything to deal with it. Uh, and if you even speak to the religious Jews, 
even though there's a lot of statements in the Torah, and there's a lot of statements even in like uh, Birkat Hamazon, the blessing after the meal, about Israel, for example, if you said to almost any Jew outside of Israel, what's a Jewish holy site, the only one they would mention would be the Western Wall. I disagree. I think a lot of them would say Marat HaMachpelah um, in Hebron. Those two are like very big, as well as Kever Rachel. But outside of that, people are not so familiar with how much history is here, how many places you can go that instead of just reading stuff in a book, you read nuggets. A lot of these places you can still go today, you can still see, you can go to the actual city and see the ruins. I mean, some places are not accessible year-round. Well, I mean, as a practical example, in, about uh, 10 miles from where we live is the tomb of the biblical tribe leader, Dan. On top of the hill is the burial place of Shimshon Hagibor, the Samson the Strong. There's a story that everyone knows of from the uh, prophets. But, like, again, some people are not aware that these places exist. I mean, there's plenty of places in Israel which are off the beaten path places that, since the Oslo Accords, have, like, pretty much disappeared off people's radar. And in general, may not be well-known. They're more known to, like, a select group of the Israeli public. So you were telling me that uh, about 3,500 people went in on the tour? Yeah, it was great. I mean, listen, we were dealing with a lot of uh, noise from the other side of Shechem, you know, nice little riots. Uh, so they were actively trying to interfere or they disturb? Were, I mean, they were actively, actively trying to interfere and disturb. I mean, like, listen, I'm used to the, you know, uh, grenades going off. I'm used to the pepper spray. By grenades, um, you don't mean explosive grenades. No, killing no, lots like, of like, a, like um, protest grenades. Smoke grenades. Like water flash grenades. Flashbangs. Yeah, stuff like that. This isn't 35 people walking into the midst of a battle. No, it's not. There's a lot of IDF security and presence. Basically, the buses have a meetup point. Some buses, you might come on a civilian bus, meaning it's not a bulletproof bus, and then you have to switch a bulletproof bus that's what my group had to do just because of travel reasons and it being easier and then we wait for IDF confirmation and permission to head into Shechem and they lead us in. In Hebrew it's called a shayara so basically there's a jeep in front of us there's a jeep behind us every bus gets like one or two soldiers very heavily armed the whole bus is blacked out no light we drive through Hawara, like it's a 15-20 minute drive. We usually wait outside of Shechem between 5 to 10 minutes. And then uh, the IDF gives us the permission to go in. I mean, if you wanted to see what an Arab state would look like, so to speak, a Palestinian state, quote-unquote, you just need to come to these entrances once a month. Cars on fire, tires on fire, rocks being thrown at the buses. I mean, IDF has to bring in these special tractors to clear the road from all the rocks and all the Molotov cocktails and all that other crazy stuff. It's ridiculous. And then, you know, we're just in a very small area. Funnily enough, it's a neighborhood funded by the U.S. government. So if you're an American, your tax dollars are going to support this wonderful neighborhood. Oh, so there's a USAID sign there. Yeah, yeah, there's a big USAID sign there. That's, they, they were uh, a lot of USAID programs in, in the past. I think part of the change that Trump made mm -hmm. is they pulled out a lot of Pulled oh. out out of a lot of those. Well, I think I'll, that's relatively I'll thank Trump thing. for that. You basically get between 15 minutes to 45 minutes max. Because it's a big entrance, we got something like 
25 minutes, 30 minutes, which is a huge deal. Like, and a night that they usually have entries like this, it's only two groups, and they had three groups go through. It was really nice. It was really, really beautiful. The only thing I missed was the music. It's usually very labadic there, very happy and very spiritual. But because of it's what's called Sphira to Omer, and some people hold that you do not listen to music. Uh, they do not have uh, the live band playing. But it was wonderful, really. We got home at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. But Now, some people would say, okay, it's a special place. It's a holy place. But why would you, why would you potentially risk take the risk of going there? And even more... Why should you put at risk the soldiers and all of the security that has to come there and prepare for you? If we talk about the history of Kiver Yosef, I mean, after the after we lost Kiver Yosef, basically, people weren't going there at all. What started was basically pirate trips. Like, if you wanted to get into the car with, like, a group of guys or girls and drive there, that's what people did, and they walk into Shechem by foot or drive in by their car, and... I mean, there's literally stories of people getting shot at, like true miracles, stories you can't believe. There was one time where like a pirate group went in of religious Jews, and sadly, like as one of the people was leaving, he got shot at and he was killed. But if you want to keep it in Jewish hands, that's what you need to do. I mean, like the government kind of, so to speak, forsakes it after such a situation. And we know exactly what the Arabs do to such places. They decimate it, they destroy the building, they destroy the tombstones. The building's been destroyed so many times by Molotov cocktails, by people coming in with hammers and ripping up the rocks and whatever. And if they claim, this is a Muslim claim, that the tomb of Joseph is holy to them too, I mean, is that respectful to your own holy site? Imagine if I went around and did that in Mecca. I'd be arrested in like 10 seconds. So if people don't go, if people don't give it attention, then unfortunately it won't be there for the future. It won't be there for future generations. And the Israeli government is just responding to the public. If the public is showing interest, if the public is exactly. going, they're going to put out the effort to make sure that it's accessible. They're going to work with or pressure the Post. Arabs to make sure they're providing the access that they promised to provide in See, the last round of what we call a peace accord that hasn't... Listen, it's not the based on the agreement. Literally, we have to sneak in the middle of the night. Can you imagine, like, so, so many times when I do these tours, I get phone calls from people. Do you mean, like, 9 o'clock in the morning? Do you mean 10 o'clock in the morning? Why, oh, I, are, I, I, we, I, I, why I, are we going to be back between 3 and 5 in the morning? I don't think that's something we mentioned before. These trips start at 9 I mean, the nine, bus, the groups And I think you guys arrive, you arrive at the town, their town, at midnight to completely minimize any impact to exactly. the people in the town and minimize any friction between exactly. the people in the town and the visitors. Exactly. The, the IVF already comes in probably hours before. Well, the assumption being, so. hopefully people are, number one, hopefully people are asleep so they're not going to bother or fight. And two... If you're going, if it's quiet in the middle of the night, so they're also not going to be disturbed. So it's actually one is. It's, a, it's an it's interesting a, compromise. One, it's it. a consideration, and two, it's a it's a safety measure. Well, I would say it's a bit of a compromise. I mean, like I said, according to the Oslo Accords, the Jews should be able to have. You know, if I wanted to go right now at three o'clock in the afternoon to Kever Yosef, then I should be able to go. But that's not the reality of the way things are. Sadly, we have to show we care. My personal belief is, if we don't show 
show we care about all these holy sites. And I'm not only talking about Kever Yosef. I'm talking about Yericho and the Temple Mount and Kever Yosho Benun Kalif Benifuna and Kever Elazar and Itamar and the... So you're mentioning person after person from the prophets. And we know where their burial sites are. We know where their tombs are. It's not only that we know. We have a history of it. I mean, you can go through Jewish historians or non-religious historians from all over the world that came to tour Israel from the 1700s, 1800s, 19th century, and they map these places out. You know, to them, they were, there was nothing there but fields. Literally, that, that's what it taught, you know, you read these archaeological reports um, or history reports from, you know, 100, 150, 200 years ago. Oh, you know, there's these tombstones that the Jews go to and it's in the middle of the field. There's nothing around. There's no town. There's nothing that exists here. Kind of contradicting for the Arabs to say this is ours when it's not. I mean, you just need to go back and look in history, basically, simple history. And you can look at modern history if you don't want to go back so far, like two, three thousand years ago. You can go back up to five hundred years ago, and you'll still find reports of this stuff. Non-copyrighted podcast ending music.